Welcome to Fresh Takes on Tech. I'm your host, Bonnie Estes, Vice President of Innovation for the International Fresh Produce Association. On the podcast, we get to hear from people that are shaping the produce industry with solutions to our biggest problems. Join me as we uncover the opportunities and advancements shaping the future of produce through a tech lens. Welcome to Fresh Takes on Tech, where insight meets innovation. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. This is the first podcast in a six-episode season, shining a light on the vital connection between packaging practices in the produce industry and the urgent need and movement towards sustainability. We'll explore the delicate balance between ensuring top-quality, pathogen-free products and reducing the environmental footprint left behind by packaging waste. So if you're as passionate as we are about fresh, healthy produce and a cleaner planet, this is the season for you. Our industry has a remarkable responsibility to deliver fresh, vibrant produce that's not only visually appealing, but also free from any harmful pathogens or contaminants. Packaging plays a huge role in this quest. But as we all know, the paradox is real. Packaging that safeguards our produce can also contribute to plastic pollution and environmental degradation if not managed properly. The International Fresh Produce Association is actively engaging in educating decision makers around the world about these concerns, helping them think through the consequences of the proposed regulations to eliminate packaging for fresh and fresh cut produce. We have also secured funding to work with collaborators on developing technologies that will help reduce packaging waste and develop tools for safely reusing packaging. Throughout this season, we'll hear from experts who are pioneering new methods for packaging, waste reduction, and sustainable practices in the produce sector. We'll also unravel the complexities of proposed regulations that advocate for eliminating packaging as we discuss the potential consequences for produce quality, post-harvest loss, and our environment. So whether you're an industry insider, a conscious consumer, or simply someone who believes in the power of balance between progress and preservation, this podcast season promises to be an eye-opening journey into the world of renewable packaging for the produce industry. Thanks for joining us. Our first guest this season is Adam Hollowell. Adam is the Senior Trade Policy Specialist at Bryant Christie, Inc. Welcome, Adam, and tell us a little bit about yourself and your company and your role. Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. It's, it's good to be here. So myself, well, I, I work in, in the U.S., but the accent kind of belies where I'm from. I'm, I'm originally from the United Kingdom. My background is a nice pick and mix. I've worked in, you know, in many different markets around the world. I lived in, in China, I lived in Italy, in Kenya, studied international relations and policy work, and now do that for, for Bryant Christie. The company itself was, was founded 30 years ago and really began life working on market access issues for U.S. agricultural groups. We expanded shortly after, began working on international marketing and research, and then really with the, the emergence of the internet, really leveraged that and began working on more in-depth policy analysis and consulting on some of the emerging regulations in international markets. Busy 30 years, fast forward those 30 years, Brian Christie now works with producers, trade associations, 
SMEs and some of the world's largest food and beverage companies, uh, supporting them with their, their market access objectives, with their international marketing, with research and with uh, regulations too. So, um, yeah, we work with the, the full spectrum of the food and beverage uh, industry. In terms of my role at Brian Christie, it's really uh, on the front lines of all that in Brian Christie's Global Access Unit. Uh, I work with growers, trade associations, and very closely with the U.S. government to open new markets for U.S. agricultural exports. And we as a company have had you know great success at that over the past 30 years or so. I also work on tariffs and free trade agreement negotiations making sure that our client priorities are addressed when, when negotiations occur and really pursuing any, any opportunity out there to try and get our clients' tariffs reduced in export markets. And then lastly, uh, I work with Brian Christie's exceptional team uh, of regulatory experts, really monitoring daily for changes to regulations in international export markets, making sure that our clients are kept well ahead of the curve when you know changes are proposed and making sure they're engaged on those and then obviously helping them navigate the challenges of those regulations and some of the pitfalls too. So, um, yeah, uh, I love to keep me busy. Keep yeah. me on my toes, that's for sure. And you're located in Sacramento, but on the road a lot, right? I am. Yeah. It was, uh, we have two offices, one in Seattle, one in Sacramento coming from the UK. You know, I've had my share of, of gray, rainy, cloud, cloudy <laughs> weather. So, uh, I chose Sacramento and the palm trees, but yes, on the road a lot, traveling a lot, just making sure that. You know, we as a company have such international exposure, so it's really important to be out there meeting with, you know, policymakers, meeting with trade, just, uh, yeah, making sure we're out there supporting our clients as best we can. Excellent. Well, your world is so big and you tackle so many gigantic problems, but today we're going to try to focus you on a little bit and jumping right into <laughs> the topic of packaging, which is uh, near and dear to all of our hearts in the produce industry. And there's so much going on in the world ar around regulation and just what that means to us in, in such a big way. So what are some of the notable policy initiatives in packaging for fresh produce on an international scale? And talk a little bit about how they vary region by region, but you know how it's an international issue. Yeah, I think the first thing to say is that when we talk about packaging policy, we typically focus very much on, on plastic packaging. There's been a lot of policy going on in that space. I think it's also fair to say that the European Union, you know, has been the epicenter of change with respect to policy and continues to really drive forward policy in that space. We've seen individual EU member states enact changes, banning certain specific packaging formats, taxing specific packaging formats. But more recently, what we've begun to see is a real drive by the European Commission to try and harmonize regulation uh, across the 27 European member states. And just last November, in fact, you know, the European Commission announced a pretty sizable new change or proposed change to its packaging regulations that would essentially regulate all packaging and uh, packaging waste placed uh, on the European market. Uh, it sets, you know, fairly uh, aggressive requirements for the reduction of packaging and packaging waste, including uh, requirements related to the design of packaging. Notably for fresh produce, it proposes bans. Uh, on single-use packaging for fresh produce with mm. you know, very limited exemptions. I know you've covered produce lookup stickers, PRU stickers before uh, on the podcast. Well, the, the European Union proposals would essentially require all PRU stickers to be fully compostable 
as part of that regulation. And then, and then there are also requirements related to, to tertiary packaging, so transportation packaging, you know, requiring that, that transport packaging is essentially designed and supplied with reuse systems in mind. Uh, and there are various you know, threshold requirements there. So it's a, it's a very a significant policy, very much in the, in the proposed proposal stage and undergoing review. But I think it's a case of when, not if that's implemented. So that's definitely one to watch. Is that like in six months or a year or two years or kind of what is the time frame of well, a policy the, like that? The, the, yeah, the commission has tabled 2025 to finalize and fully publish that. And then there is obviously a, a grace period, a tiered grace period. We'll likely see the, the implications of that regulation beginning to come into force around 2030. So, uh, mm, okay. Yeah, it, it sounds far away and we can discuss this later on. It sounds like a good deal away, but really no. given the nature of that policy, it's, you know, an overhaul to some extent of supply chain. So just around the corner to some extent. So we can kind of think about, well, that's Europe. That doesn't affect the U.S., but mm-hmm. how does that affect import and export and companies that are growing produce for export here in the U.S.? Well, on, on so many levels, first of all, Europe typically is a trendsetter. So, you know, we've, what we typically see around the world is Europe announces a policy and it, create, it creates waves and gets picked up and copied in, in other markets. So that's definitely one considerable aspect to be aware of. And we're already seeing that, frankly, you know, if we turn away from Europe just briefly, Canada just a few weeks ago actually uh, announced a new proposal mm. that would essentially target retailers and use retailers as a vehicle change. Again, to reduce packaging throughout the supply chain. And Canada's policies, you know, it's, it's not a replica of, of the EU's by any, by any means, but, you know, it's a far broader effort to reduce packaging, plastic packaging more holistically and would, again, ban uh, the use of plastic packaging for fresh produce, essentially mandating produce sold in bulk or sold in plastic-free packaging. So we're already seeing a similar model being adopted by by other export markets, and that trend will likely continue. And how? What does it look like in the U.S.? Are we uh, are we looking at adopting things like that, or are we going to be put in the place to respond to what's being done, or how's that? Yeah, work? well, I, I should say, you know, the nature of Brian Christie, we're very international orientated uh, and, and less so on, on the U.S. But I think it's also fair to say that the U.S. is frankly a bit of a, of a laggard when it comes to you know packaging policy. It's very much left to individual states to adopt policies. And you've seen some change, you know, in California, Washington, and and other states around around the the US. But I think we have quite a ways to go to even begin to prepare for some of the implications that are going to be coming from these broader packaging initiatives. So so how are different regions responding and, and what what does the response need to be given if we say everyone needs to have something in place by 2030, what, what should people yeah. be doing now? Well, I think first of all, you know, there has been some change happening. The great work that IFPA does, first of all, really funding you know, research and investment, looking at more sustainable alternatives to packaging. Uh, we've seen moves to increase you know, paper-based packaging, increase the levels of, of uh, recycled content in packaging, and, and, and also you know more sustainable alternatives such as, as bio-based packaging. But I think one of the challenges 
is that you know innovation is very much piecemeal around the world, and the cost uh, and viability of some of these alternatives, you know, is is challenging for a lot of producers, particularly small producers. So while we've seen some progress in a lot of markets around the world, there's a ways to go to to even begin to have this conversation about reducing packaging of fresh produce and to make sure that alternatives are available to the fresh produce sector as a whole. So if the cost, what you have to use, say you have to use some kind of fiber-based and, mm-hmm. and that costs five cents more, or two cents more or whatever, the way that we're set up now, that that cost, the, the grower is going to, the producer is going to bear that cost and hopefully mm-hmm. can pass that cost down the chain, which never seems to work. Um, yeah. Are people looking at regulations of, you know, how can we somehow share that cost throughout the chain or how can that not be a burden just to the producer? Well, I think that's one of the challenges really is that I, I think you have in many aspects this dichotomy between, you know, the requirements that regulators place are on the fresh produce sector with respect to food safety, traceability, consumer labeling, and then this drive to eliminate packaging from the supply chain. And, you know, at times the policymaking really doesn't give sufficient consideration to, you know, transitioning to these alternative systems. And as you know, you know, the costs involved in that, we've seen, you know, some moves by the administration in other areas of sustainability to try and, you know, support the agricultural sector. But I think that there's a long way to go, frankly, to really make sure that the produce sector is supported to essentially revolutionize and adjust it, its its packaging supply chains to meet the growing demands that we'll, we'll see. And I think the differences in, in our industry compared to screws or something or, you know, hardware is that it, you, we really have to, from a food safety perspective Absolutely. and mm-hmm. just to keep, you know, to keep from crushing the product. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a reason that, you know, Plastic packaging has been used for so long. It's cheap and it's very good at doing its, uh, doing its job, right? Which is to protect fresh produce throughout the supply chain. And I think we all recognize the direction of travel. We just need to make sure that there's support in place to allow that transition to occur and, you know, critically time to allow it to occur. Because as we spoke about deadlines of 2030 are really not that far, yeah. far away at all when, you know, technology maybe is, isn't as, as available as it needs to be. Yeah. And I think that's the, not only do we have to change the supply chain, that's assuming we have a different kind of product to put in and it takes years to develop. I mean, I worked yeah. in clean tech for years and we were always trying to make alternatives to plastics through fermentation. And uh, it just, it, it just couldn't get the cost down. You know, it's just yeah, a real absolutely. struggle, you know. And what, what we don't want obviously is, you know, this to become another barrier to trade and, yeah. and, it, and the larger producers, maybe they have the resources to, to manage that transition. It's the smaller producers that will be shut out of, of these markets. And that's obviously what we need to avoid at all costs. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. And the drivers for this are people looking for compostable or recyclable or like what are the drivers for the different types of categories and what seems to be the the biggest category and and how is Europe thinking about it? Yeah, well, uh, you know, on on a macro level, uh, because that's how, you know, my mind functions and how typically, you know, we work typically on a policy standpoint. So in terms of the drivers behind, behind this regulation, 
I think ultimately, obviously, it starts with the consumer. Obviously, we've seen heightened consumer awareness over the past, you know, 10, 15, 20 years about, about the environment, about sustainability in general. And packaging is a key focus because it's something tangible, obviously, that confronts consumers uh, on a daily basis. And it's something that they can control. Obviously, that consumer sentiment drives retail behavior, it drives the behavior of society, and ultimately that, that drives policymaking. So I think that, you know, consumer sentiment is a key factor, be it educated or uneducated. And you can, well, obviously, we can debate, you know, the, the knowledge of our food systems, which, you know, in some cases is, is lacking potentially about the role of packaging there. I think another key driver here is, you know, and I mentioned it, civil society. We've seen a, you know, almost a professionalization to some extent uh, of civil society and, and NGOs over the past decade. And they're very active uh, and very influential with the, the, the development of new policies. So, you know, groups like the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, WWF, who do a lot of great work. But I think at times there's a, a void or a vacuum from the fresh produce sector in, you know, elevating the needs of this industry and some of the challenges that, that this industry faces. You know, in terms of other drivers, United Nations is a key driver there. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the Sustainable Development Goals that were agreed in 2015, subsequent agreements at, at Paris and, and in Glasgow. Member countries obviously signed up to those commitments. And there's an active constituency of, of consumers, investors, NGOs that want to make sure that those countries uphold those commitments and progress on a number of those those goals just can't be achieved without reductions in plastic waste. So that's critical too. Uh, and then lastly, I'll just note China, which you know always plays a role in policy to some extent recently, assuming so. And really, you can't overstate the 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 importance and the significance of their decision to stop importing plastic waste from other countries right. uh, in 2018. I think that was a huge wake up call for a lot of countries, not least the United States. I think the US was shipping around 4,000 containers daily plastic waste to China. So we were essentially exporting our plastic waste problem to, to the Chinese market. What were they doing with it? Were they recycling it? I don't even know. Well, you know, I'm, I, I don't know, know the ins and outs, but I, I, you know, I think there's probably some recycling going on. I think there was just maybe a lot of dumping going yeah. on, you know, that it was just left to, to sit on. On that market, or being put into into landfill, or, or so. Um, yeah, possibly not the most environmentally conscious of policies being being enacted in China, but uh, certainly it was a big wake up call for for a lot of countries. And does China have regulations around plastic use in produce, or are they kind of lagging behind? They do have some policy. A, a lot of the policy in China is focused on trying to reduce just the levels of excess packaging. Because if you've been to a grocery store in China, it's quite laughable almost at times. You, you'll buy an apple and it'll be covered in realms and realms of packaging. Mm. So the regulation that we've seen is a lot of it is, is aimed at trying to reduce that uh, and minimize the kind of the, the wastage of space and packaging and, and, and address that at retail. You talked a little bit about the challenges that companies face that are trying to reduce their reliance on plastic packaging, mm. but talk a little bit more about that. Like what, what are companies trying to do in, in different places of the world, both for import and export markets and trying to reduce the packaging, some field examples and company examples? Well, 
I should say, I haven't got specific company examples. You know, we tend to stick to our, our policy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, in terms of those challenges, I think, you know, definitely the first one is, is this, this challenge between food safety, which we discussed, and, you know, this drive to reduce packaging. It's, it's a significant challenge. The second key challenge we've also touched on, which is, you know, the cost, viability, and availability of alternatives. Uh, I think a third challenge is, you know, simply the vast array and increasing array uh, of regulation that's coming out in international markets. Keeping on top of that is is a sizable task, you know, for, for us at Brian Christie, and we have a whole staff yeah. to support that effort. You know, f- again, it's, it's the small and medium-sized producers who uh, are really going to struggle. I just think of one... One fairly recent proposal from Canada, which was focused on increasing consumer awareness about recycling and really focused on the labeling aspect. But the policy as it was proposed would essentially require producers, suppliers to tailor their labeling in accordance with the recycle, recycling capacity of each individual Canadian province. Oh, my gosh. Which uh, it, you think and about in the, French and English, right? Exactly. <laughs> if you think about the operational requirements involved. And doing that, that you know, it's it's frankly impossible for a, a lot of smaller producers and challenging for the larger ones. So I think we have a ways to go to educate policymakers, you know, on on the nature of food systems, on the role of packaging, and just the need for policy to be developed with, I think, I think a, a greater consideration to to the challenges and, and needs of fresh produce. And then I think a last a, the last challenge I, I would mention is just simply the awareness. You know, when I speak, I speak to a lot of, of producers, I'm sure you, you obviously do too. They're busy people. They have so many things on their plate, so many priorities. If a regulation isn't on the books, it potentially isn't front and center in their mind. And that's quite understandable. But given the nature of, of the changes that we're seeing around the world with respect to packaging, these aren't changes that you can simply turn your hand to, you know, six months, a year ahead. These are fundamental shifts in the nature of our packaging supply chain. So it's, I think it's critical that the fresh produce sector is engaged on this and is aware of the changes uh, that, that are occurring. Yeah, I think it, it definitely, it's going to have a huge impact on what we're able to sell, where we're able to sell it, and then on retailing consumers, mm-hmm. you know, all the way through the chain, it's going to have this huge impact that I think it's like a regulatory wave that many people don't even know is coming. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So a lot of times trade interests and sustainability goals seem sometime to appear at odds. How can companies and policymakers kind of strike a balance between these two objectives? That's a good question. You know, and I, I hear that a lot of this, this challenge between trade and sustainability. You know, in many ways, I think it's a bit of a false dichotomy. Huh. How so? You know, Producers w- work with the environment on a daily basis, um, uh, and I think they're they're in tune with sustainability and, and the need to be to grow, to produce in a more sustainable way. And I think there's a lot of sustainable practice already occurring. I think the challenge comes when tools are taken away from producers without sufficient consideration given to you know some of the things that we've discussed. You know the need to uh, provide time to make that transition, resources to allow it to occur, the availability of technology. So, I, yeah, I, I don't necessarily think that the, the goals are as competing as as we might think. I just think it's a case of 
greater engagement between policymakers and the fresh produce sector. And what's the best way to do that, do you think? I think it comes down to producers engaging with you know groups like IFPA, with trade associations uh-huh. and others to first of all make sure that they they know the changes that are occurring and to to elevate the voice of the fresh produce sector with policymakers through whatever means possible. You know, it's engaging with consultations on the development of regulation. It's inviting, you know, political representatives to to farms to view, you know, how food is produced, because you'll be surprised, you know, in my work, I'm constantly baffling policymakers who weren't aware of why things are done a certain way or how they're produced or why certain packaging is used. So I think it's critical that we bring our policymakers to where our food is produced and and help them understand. Uh, And I think the consequence of that will be policy that is a bit more nuanced and I think a bit more educated. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I was in Washington, D.C. this week, and we were just talking about, as a trade association, how we engage with Washington specifically. But I think, you know, regulatory globally around around the world, that everyone who's making these regulations gets so much information and from everybody. And so how do we make it relevant to them and, and make them realize that, you know, this really affects trade and commerce and nutrition mm-hmm. and health and, you know, all these different pieces that Absolutely. is really yeah. important. And then, you know, on, on the flip side, I think also, as you said, to have producers realize that they are in an ecosystem that trade association like ours can bring people together and address these issues that one company can't do by themselves. And, you know, working with people like you, you know, helping us understand what's going on and and how we can help and get involved and communicate because we, none of, you know, the days of being a business that operates by themselves, you know, not in the ecosystem are gone, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I travel all over the world and, you know, ultimately, agriculture is at the heartbeat of most countries, right? Right. Uh, And they have a very powerful narrative and a very powerful voice. Uh, I think at times the the sector as a whole doesn't leverage the power that it does have, you know, and and the influence it does have. And that that comes to working collectively. So knowing what the issues are, to having, identifying objectives and to making sure that those objectives are, are conveyed to policymakers. I think that's critical. Great. Anything else you want to leave our listeners with uh, around this issue and how people can get involved more? I touched on it. You know, it's about keeping on top of of the issues as best you can, knowing what's going on in the regulatory space, be it with packaging or, you know, other policies and working with trade associations and, and really just leveraging the voice that they have and the voice that, you know, groups like IFP have to really make sure that we work closely with policy makers and, take policy to to a space that is sensible for everyone. Great. Well, thanks, Adam. It was nice talking to you. Thanks, Bonnie. That's it for today's Fresh Takes on Tech. This entire season of the podcast focusing on issues associated with green packaging is supported in part by a grant from the USDA FAS Technical Assistance for Specialty Crops program. Eat your vegetables and I'll see you next time.